Um, if you have a Bible with you, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be in verses 6 and 7 today, some verses that are probably familiar to you. But I hope by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit, uh, we'll get some new insights into this crucial verse for our lives. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 uh, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, Father, that's what we want. That's what we need. And Lord, just le- take us by the hand this morning and lead us through this pa- uh, these two verses in a new and fresh way. I know that most of us have heard them before, and we filed them somewhere in our brains, but we need to open that file and, and apply them to the areas of our life uh, that we need them. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, throw the door wide open and give us uh, spiritual understanding of these crucial verses. And we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, as some of you know, I don't know if all of you know, but last week I started a new summer series entitled uh, Go-To Verses for When the Going Gets Rough. Go-To Verses for When the Going Gets Rough. And... uh, uh, the verses and passages that I'm going to be preaching through this summer, and maybe put a toe in the, in the fall, I'm not sure, but at least through the summer, are verses and passages that I've personally se- selected for my own life. As, as Deb and I have gone through peaks and valleys um, in our 38 years together, um, uh, and some of the churches that we've been to outside of Cedar Home in the last eight years or so, um, we have run into some really, really uh, difficult, complex, uh, and sometimes troubling situations, not just with, with the churches that we've been in, but personally. And um, I just really have gathered together about 12, 13, 14 verses or passages as I've read through the Bible that I have been using to pray through and meditate on and try to apply it to my life by the grace of God so that I can get through of these, these uh, sticky wickets, these bailey wicks, these difficulties victoriously. And that's what I'm picking to preach on through the summer. And that's, that's why I call it go-to verses for when the going gets rough, because these have been my go-to verses. I have a full sheet of them on the coffee table next to me, or I think they're on the coffee table, or, or in the computer room, and I just keep them by my side. And when the going gets rough, I pray through these and I, I meditate on them and I pray through them and I seek to apply them in my life. And they have had, for me personally, a radical effect on my life. And I want to pass that along to you. Um, these have played an important part of my life, a very important part of my life. So it's very, very personal. It's not like I just went to a book of the Bible, which I usually do, by the way, and uh, hit a book of the Bible and then I preach through it not knowing what applications are going to be there. This is personal stuff. This is stuff that has helped season me and deepen me and grow me and impact me to get through uh, rough times. And so I'm coming here uh, owning these verses personally, not, not perfectly, but personally, and I want to pass that on to you. And last week, we started with, under this series, go-to verses for when the going gets rough, uh, about fear and how to deal with fear. Because I'm using some topics like that for this series. Uh, I, I can't remember all the verses of all that I'm going to be doing, but we'll be going through issues like fear, uh, anxiety. That's what we'll be doing today. Um, unmet needs. What happens when you have unmet needs or unanswered prayer? Uh, the issue of deliverance, of impossible-looking situations. How do you deal with chaos? Boy, I've I've been in, and probably you have been in some chaotic situations, right? Maybe you're in one now. But today I want to look at the topic of anxiety. And the subject of the um, sermon, or the title of the sermon today is uh, Finding Supernatural Peace in Anxious 
circumstances. Is it really possible to do that? I mean, is it possible to be just, well, maybe it's on a low level, okay, just kind of a low level, but maybe it's a moderate level, but maybe it's an extreme level of anxiety and worry. And is it possible, is it possible, is it really possible in that time of anxiety and worry to literally experience the divine inward rest and tranquility and calm of God? And the answer, of course, is yes, it is. And that's what this wonderful verses, two verses teach us about, finding supernatural peace in anxious circumstances. I don't know what's robbing you of your peace today, and it, I don't really need to, you know. As one preacher said, I just get up there on Sunday morning, shoot into a dark hole, and whoever the Holy Spirit wants to hit, that's his business. And that's kind of how I approach it, you know. I'm not going to uh, um, try to delve into everybody's personal life. I don't have to. But I would bet that probably most all of us are experiencing worry or anxiety at whatever level, uh, low, moderate, or avalanche <laughs> of anxiety and worry. And this is the solution. And I want to tell you, and I'm going to mention it probably more towards the end of the message, I have personally experienced this verse. And it makes me happy. It's not that I'm super spiritual or uh, have found all the answers or I'm perfect all the time, but I have experienced this. And it's something that God wants to us to experience over and over again in each situation that we're worrying about or being filled with anxiety about, okay? Um, it reminds me of a lecture back in about somewhere between 1978 and 1983. I was going to seminary. I crammed a three-year program into five years. And, uh, <laughs> and I, the, one of the uh, professors there was a professor of church history by the name of H. Crosby Anglesian. And he talked just about like this. And when you took a class, if you took it really in the morning, um, and had, or if you had insomnia problems, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But the guy was very learned about church history, but it was his turn to preach in the chapel. Real thrill, right? And, uh, and, but you know what? I can remember it 43 years later, as clear as you're sitting there and I'm sitting here. You could hear a pin drop. It was silent. It's like God sucked all the air out of the chapel. And all these seminary guys uh, were sitting there. And you know why? Because he was talking about anxiety and worry. And all of us super spiritually seminarians, that's an oxymoron, by the way. Uh, all of us super spiritual seminarians were blown out of the water. Because we all had ministry, well, most of us, I had, a, I had a college group that I had been assigned to by the church I went to, so I was a minister of college ministries. I had to work to pay the bills. I had to, and, I, and then I had to go to seminary uh, at the same time. And I, you know, we were all wondering, can I pay the next bill to pay for classes? Will there be a church that even wants me on staff? Uh, where am I going to end up? Am I going to pass this Greek class or this Hebrew class, you know? Boy, could I tell you some, some interesting ways people got through that class, but I won't go into those. But uh, um, we were filled with worry. We were filled with anxiety. When he started talking, it, we, uh, we were on it like white on rice, you know? And um, because worry has such, a, and, and anxiety has such detrimental, destructive, draining effects on our lives, right? Okay? Worry really uh, it can just fill us with uncertainty and, and uh, nervousness and distraction. And just to let you know what that worry-anxiety means as we go into this, uh, this verse here, the word anxiety uh, means to divide, to pull apart. It's like having your brains pulled apart when you're facing life. And when it's pulled apart, then you get worried and anxious. Um, 
when we're filled with anxiety and worry about something, our mind is not functioning properly. And you all know that. You've all experienced it. Some of you came in here filled with something to worry about or anxious about something. You're human as well as I am. I came in here worrying about something, and I've been studying this all week. <laughs> it's just the human condition, isn't it? The great thing is we have this, it's almost, I, don't, I like to use the word insane in a good way. I, I know it, normally we don't, but this past, these two verses are insanely good about how to deal with worry, okay? Because when we're worrying and we're anxious, we don't function properly, we don't see clearly, we're pulled apart by our, our anxieties, we waste valuable time and energy, okay, when we're filled with anxiety. Anxiety ruins our fellowship with God, does it not? No? Okay. You go your way, I'll go mine. Okay. Anxiety ruins our fellowship with God through doubt, does it not? Okay, better, better. And I like this phrase here, worry and anxiety causes us to assume the burdens of our worries. So we start carrying the, the issue on our back, and it weights us down, okay? And it, again, it discourages us and drains us and depresses us and burns us out. And one person said anxiety is the tendency of our flesh, a chief tactic of Satan, the devil, and a typical reaction of the world around us to problems. And isn't that the truth? So again, the title of the message is Finding Supernatural Peace in Anxious Circumstances. And I want to say right off the top, guys, that I'm not here to offer you a man-made peace. You know, I'm not here. Did I hear someone say right on? Man, that takes me back. Right on. That's about 1975. <laughs> but I love hearing that, so keep it going. You know, I want to hear some groovies too later on, okay? <laughs> but uh, what I want to say is I'm not advocating a man-made thing here. This is totally from God. I want you to know that. Okay, and so how do we find supernatural peace in anxious circumstances? Well, we're going to go back to last week. Fear not. We talked about fear. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What was that? It was a command. And the same thing here. As Christians, we're commanded by God not to be anxious or worried. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious. That's an imperative in the Greek language, which means it's a command. Doesn't seem fair that God would command us not to be worried, does it? That's, that's just not fair to not be worried about anything. Okay? But he's, it's, he's not suggesting it. He's not providing it as an option. Well, you can be worried if you want, but, but maybe it would be good if you, you, you know, you, you weren't. That's weak, limp-wristed, sugar-coated, watered-down preaching. Scripture. He's saying don't. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. Um, that great passage, I don't think we'll... No, let's go to it. In Matthew chapter 6. Do we have that? In Matthew, it's the, it's the, it's the consummate uh, sermon or part of a sermon that, called the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And it's the consummate passage on worry. And I'm not going to read it through all, but three times in that passage, verse 25, verse 31, and 34, Jesus says, don't be worried about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. And it's a command. A command for crying out loud. Now, why would he do that? Same thing that we talked about last week. Number one, for our own well-being. Because God knows how awful um, uh, worry is to you and I, how toxic it is. Worry is toxic. Okay? It's not, and it's toxic mentally. It's toxic spiritually, psychologically, in terms of relationships. But it's also toxic um, physically. I found an article online that's about the physical effects of worry. 
and I'm going to read this to you. Chronic worry and emo- I could be reading just as well. I could be reading mental and emotional and spiritual. The, the uh, toxicity of mental and emotional and f- physical that, that worry has upon us effect. But this just happens to be physical. Uh, chronic worry and emotional stress can trigger a host of health problems. The problem occurs when fight or flight is triggered daily by excessive worrying and anxiety. The fight or flight response causes the body's sympathetic nervous system to release hormones such as cortisol. These hormones can boost blood sugar levels, and we all know that's bad, and triglycerides, and we all know that's bad, that can be used by the body for fuel. The hormones also cause physical reactions such as difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, (laughs) fast heartbeat, Fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling and twitching. You know, I was thinking, that's how I feel during a Seahawk game, you know. (laughs) But anyway, when the excessive fuel in the blood isn't used for physical activities, the chronic anxiety and outpouring of stress hormones can have serious physical consequences, including more, suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, short-term memory loss, premature coronary artery disease, and a heart attack. And that's just the physical aspects of what worry and anxiety can do, okay? And so we, we need to realize, as God's commanded it, for our own good, so that we don't end up a basket case. Secondly, um, God doesn't want us to worry, and he's commanded us not to worry, because worried, anxious-filled Christians are not a good testimony. Right? I mean, when people see us fret and worried, it contradicts what we say we believe about God, that God is a loving God, a benevolent God, a kind God, a caring God, a providing God. But when we're just in the, in, 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 you know, in the bondage of worry or anxiety, people will notice uh, one thing that I think it's important to remember, you guys as Christians, is you're being watched. You know how I know that? Because I used to watch you. Back in Michigan when I was a younger man. Before I became a believer at 17 or, or thereabouts, I watched Christians. I watched how they talked. I watched how they behaved. I noticed them going to church on Sunday. I watched them like a hawk. And you know, unbelievers watch us too. My neighbors watch me. Believe you me, they watch me. (laughs) Don't they, dear? They watch us, you know. And uh, so we want to provide a good testimony for them, but if you're like this, you know, like everybody else in the world is, there's no testimony there, Okay being filled with anxiety and worry. And if you're at work and you're just, you're fretting and you're, there's not going to be a witness or a school or wherever, neighborhood. It confirms an attitude of unbelief is what it does. It says, I say I'm a believer, but I'm acting like an unbeliever. Um, I like this definition. I read it online this week. Someone said worrying is believing that God won't get it right. If you can't say amen, say ouch, okay? Oswald Chambers said it in a much better way than I can. Um, He said, anxiety or worry betrays a lack of trust in God's care and is a species of unconscious blasphemy against him. And like being bound up with fear and worry and and being bound up with fear, worry, and anxiety wreaks havoc with our testimony to the unsaved around us, too. I'm going to go back in time a little bit this morning, and then I'll go on to our, our second point. Mike, you're going to have to help me here. Are you here, Mikey? Okay, you and I w- did this together. You don't even know what I'm talking about yet, but back in the day, we had uh, a piece of property across the street that we wanted to buy, right? And it was probably, I'm guessing, we were still in the old parsonage across the street so we ha- and we moved after five years to the slightly newer parsonage that way 
And, um, and the guy that we were trying to buy it from was a little difficult, as I recall. And, um, but we really wanted it because we needed it for parking because we needed it for parking. You know, we were growing. And um, I was really nervous about it, whether we were going to get this. In fact, I'm, it was everything I'm telling you not to be this morning, okay? <laughs> full of worry, full of anxiety. And my mother was visiting the church. She came probably to see the grandkids, I'm guessing, you know, and she was here. And, I, and she came to church. She's not a believer. And she came to church, and guess what I was preaching on? Worry. And so after church, we went home, and I was just filled with this, uh, and I think I actually had, and it's, I haven't had one before or since, but I think I actually had a panic attack. And I don't know if that phrase was even around it, but I just felt overwhelmed. And this is what my mother said. Mitchell, remember what you talked about this morning? Oh, man. Oh, God, what have I done? You know, I'm a Christian. I want my mom to see Jesus. And she, you know, your mother always uses the full name, you know. There I was, caught red-handed. Now, she was a pretty understanding lady, so she didn't rub it in, but I was just the opposite of what I preached on. And uh, that's what it's about. God's commanding us not to worry because he doesn't want us to be, to destroy ourselves. And he, and he, and he wants our testimony to shine. I'll tell you, I don't know what's going to look better than a calm, at peace person in this crazy world we live in. Okay. Now, I, I want to say one thing before we get to point number two. Oh, I see another, another long sermon coming on here. Um, and that's this. No, this is what hit me today, and I don't think I've ever seen this before. I should have, but I did, haven't. Note how high God sets the bar. Look back at those verses. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Right back to our title verses here. Uh, do not be anxious about what, everybody? That's not fair. <laughs> did, you, did you, are you seeing that with me? I mean, come on, Lord, cut me some slack. Can't there be some things I can be worried and anxious about? Lord? He says, do not, I command you to not be anxious about anything. Holy. That is a high bar. Not one thing. Seems impossible but it makes the passage all that much more better because it's going to show us how to do that. And that's our next point here. And it'll, it'll, it'll seem like not that much, but it's much. He says, pray about it. He says here, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Okay? Pray about it. On Tuesday of this past week, um, I read this online. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about the things he can change. Enough amens for me to say it again. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about the things he can change. Okay, prayer is the... Op- I got some great o- A-benders here today. All right. Prayer is the opposite of and the antidote to worry and anxiety because at its essence, it's dependence on God and not ourselves to fix the problem. Okay? When anxiety and, and, and worry try to choke us and split our brains apart and ravage our lives were to immediately approach our God with prayer. Now, the question is, what kind of prayer? You know? And it tells us what kind of prayer. First, it says, in everything, by prayer. You say, well, that says prayer. But it really has the meaning of adoration. Oh, Lord, I adore you. I adore you for your omnipotence, your power, your omnipresence, that you're always here with me fully. 
uh, for your, uh, um, help me here, omnipotence, omnipresence. Who else? Uh, don't be so scared. What other characters of God? Your sovereignty. Um, I can't hear it. Your grace, your mercy, and all of these great things. And just adore him and adore him. And as you adore him and adore him for his infinite glory and power and, and love, pretty soon he's where he is and the situation is where it's supposed to be. But if we don't do that, the situation that's there and God's here. And adoration and praise for who God is does what it's supposed to do, put our perspective in line with the Bible. I, don't, I was looking at online, I like to read news for probably well, just a little while each, each day and catch the highlights, or I should say the lowlights, I guess. But um, I read this because the picture of the universe came up and it said that the Webb telescope that I assume is out in space, maybe it's somewhere on the ground, but anyway, I think it's out in space, are coming out with new pictures of the universe on Monday, tomorrow. But they had some samples, and I just looked at these samples of the universe and some of the details of it, and I just felt like trembling. It, something about pictures of outer space get, get me. I don't know if you're the same way, but I just look at it, and it's showing these, uh, these galaxies, and they're going to show new pictures of time back a couple billion, trillion years ago. And I saw one of those, and it takes that long to get here. <laughs> and I'm going, God, you made all that with one word, one single word. And when you get that, then all of a sudden you feel, well, you're moving on your way to that inner rest peace that we're going to talk about. So adore him. And then after you adore him, then give your request. D don't give your request first because God's not big enough yet. But when, you, when, he, when he's big enough and you give him your request, you hand him what it is that's making you nervous and anxious and worried, just maybe on a low level or mid-range or just tsunami range, right? Um, when you, when, you, when you get the right perspective, then you give the request, and, and then it doesn't seem so daunting because God is God. Okay, then it says give your petitions. Your petitions. After adoration comes our, comes our petitions, the request part of our prayer. Okay, now, here's the key word that we, we trip over this like it's, you ever walk on a sidewalk and there's a, a crack in the sidewalk that you don't see and then you fall down? Anybody ever done that besides me? Yeah. The most important thing is, did anybody see it or not? That's the first thing. <laughs> not if I broke my clavicle and my sternum and my knee, and the, just as long as nobody saw it, and I can get up fast enough to keep moving, save my pride. Okay, this is like that. We stumble over this. We don't see it. We forget it. And I want to tell you something. This is a key thing here because... And I'm preaching out of 100% experience. I can't always say that. I can say that about this. I have learned this. And that is, the key word here is everything. That's the key word. In everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Everything. That means every aspect, every particle, every every nook and cranny of the thing you're struggling with. And the thing is, we, tr we, 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 we go past that so fast. We want instant inner peace. And God says, no, I want the whole story from A to Z. I want everything that you can think of about what's driving that worry and fear and anxiety in your life. I want you to come before my throne and I want you to lay it out in in detail. Don't skip one particle of it, okay? He says, no issue. It's too big or small. Give me every aspect of it. What's causing it, okay? 
He reminds me of King Hezekiah when the bad guy Sennacherib in 2 Kings 19 said, I'm going to turn you and Israel and the city of Jerusalem into a grease spot, including you. And he sent him this through a, a messenger and Hezekiah went up in, into the temple and he, lay, and, he, and he spread it out before the Lord. I don't know why I think of peanut butter. I do. I, don't, I know that's not very spiritual sounding. I just think of it just a nice spreading peanut butter out, right? Uh, a piece of toast or something or whatever. And I just think he spread that out. Didn't leave a detail out. See, we leave details out. We want to do one of them drive-by prayers. Okay? It's probably where a lot of us fall short when it comes to dealing with our worries and our anxieties and cares. <clears throat> we don't discipline ourselves to spread everything, every detail before the Lord. And it takes discipline, and it takes time, and don't let anybody tell you it doesn't. Because it does. And it's hard to slow down and stop, isn't it, in our world today and with our personalities. Okay? It's just hard to concentrate okay and by the way it's not so much that that god needs to hear it because i think he already knows it doesn't he last i heard he was he he, he I'll, I'll quote a verse to you in here in a second but it, it, it's not for for us to tell god okay we need to say it to god that already knows it so that we understand that he already knows what we're saying Okay, Oswald Chambers said, tell God what you know he knows in order that you may get to know it as he does. Now I'll go to the verse. Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew 6, 8. We don't tell him that uh, so that he knows. We're not informing God. It's just I love the prayers that we do. We're, somebody, and Lord... Bless the meeting after church day in room five at seven o'clock for, and like God knew it was in room five. He knew it was at seven o'clock. And so some prayers, if you listen closely, are just prayers that we're telling God what he doesn't know. God already knows. It's kind of funny. That's okay. God, he's patient. He, he, he doesn't mind. But um, we don't tell him so to inform him, but so that we know what it is that he already knows and we gain assurance that we'll meet our needs that way. I don't know what the Sennacherib is in your life, the one that's putting pressure, situation, circumstance, threatening, causing anxiety and worry to rise up in your chest and in your throat and your head and your body and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what it is. But somebody said this, the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Okay? And often, I'm simplifying this as much as I can because it's really a simple thing. Often, it's a simple issue of time, concentration, faith, and prayer. It's often that simple. Sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things. But it just means that we need to lay everything before the Lord. Present them to God. Present it to God. Every single detail that you can think of. And you can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if there's any details about this issue or person that's causing me to, um, to be filled with this anxiousness and this worry that just so bothers me and, and, and haunts me and hunts me and harasses me. Lord, if there's any detail, bring it to my mind and the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. Every bit of it. Lay it all out. Okay? Put your prayers into God's hands or your prayer requests into God's hands and leave them there. Leave them there. And then you'll have God's supernatural peace. Now, I want to go to the last point here this morning. We need to obey God's command not to be anxious about anything. And that, that's a high bar, baby. It is. But we need to pray. We need to pray. Adore. Give the requests. Every nook and cranny, every hidden corner, every detail of our issue. But finally, and again, this is one of those things, you guys, Yes, I did stand up during the message. 
for a moment. Um, <laughs> uh, this is one of those things that we skip. I've learned this in years gone by now that, that I didn't know when I first preached on this way back when. This is also crucial, too, and I, I hope that you digest this this morning. It will mean so much to you, and that is this. The third thing we need to do to obtain supernatural peace in anxious circumstances is to give thanks to God for his answer in advance. Now, give thanks afterwards. You know what I pray? I say, Lord, when you answer this prayer, help me to remember to give thanks to you because sometimes I just forget. You ever forget to give thanks to God for something good? And I, I do, and so I'll get in a situation where I need his peace and his power and all that, and he does, and then I just go on with my merry little life. And so I've prayed, God, when you do it, will you help me to remember to thank you? Because you deserve it. But anyway, this is on the front end I'm talking about here. And it, again, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And it's an element of our prayer to deal, deal with our anxiety and worry that we forget. Okay? It's vitally important to give thanks to God. Why? Because thanksgiving is an expression of faith that seals what we've asked from God in prayer according to his will. When we thank God, two things. When we thank God, we're saying, in other words, I have faith you're going to come through for me. And I don't know if I can do this by memory, but in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says... I couldn't do it by memory. Let me read, let me read this to you. Hebrews eleven six. I preached on it a number of months ago, but here it is. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must thank him. Thanksgiving is a, a, an act of faith. I don't care if you feel it or not, just thank him. Thank him. A second thing, now, this is a little bit more cerebral, philosophical, but the next thing is this. Thanksgiving, now listen close, pulls God and his sovereignty into our consciousness. See, what are you talking about? Thanksgiving draws God into our conscious awareness and acknowledges his presence and sovereignty over our situation. Giving thanks to God breaks the power of doubt, unbelief, and ingratitude. Thanksgiving to God breaks the forgetfulness of God's past provision for us. And it re Thanksgiving reminds us that he is faithful. Thanksgiving mentally and spiritually pulls God into our circumstances even though he is already there because what happens when anxiety and worry uh, seek to um, uh, uh, just, just wreak havoc in our lives, we forget the presence of God. And so when we thank God, we are saying, you're there. It's a simple, it pulls him into our consciousness and destroys the temporary atheism that the devil has put on us when we're full of anxiety and worry. You getting me? Okay. So let's go to the result here, okay? The result. What's the result of offering the details of our prayers and petitions to God with thanksgiving? Well, it tells us the results. And I want to tell you something, in all the sincerity I can possibly share with you um, this is one thing that I've experienced out of necessity. And it's the same with you. You're, I'm no different than you. I'll just use my vocation as an example. But in, in the pastorate, there are, you run into things that are so confusing and complex and so threatening time at times, you have no idea what to do. It's kind of funny. Uh... I, Debbie and I have talked about this, you know, 
a church will have a, some churches have asked me, well, will you come and preach for us? Will you, be, will you stand in the gap between our old pastor leaving and our new pastor, whenever that is? And I said, you know, I, we pray about it and stuff, and, and, uh, and we prayed about this thing with Cedar Home. And, um, and I said, well, you know what? I can preach. I can, I can help with the leadership a little bit and just hang out with them and do a few other things, Marion and Berrien and stuff like that, you know. And, uh, and that's going to be about it, you know. I got the old Sacra Cracker Jack. That kind of hurts. And I'm not as young as I used to be, blah, blah, blah. But that's about all I can get involved. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't do that and not get wrapped up into the inner workings of the church. Where there are a lot of emotional things and a lot of th threatening feelings and circumstances and anxieties and it for for all the four interims that we've done, it's happened like clockwork, hasn't it, babe? Because I'm a I'm a mother hen. I'm a shepherd guy. I love you. When you come into the church and we're over there in the corner and I see people come in, I just gosh, I wish I could. Just, when they leave, I wish I could just pick them up and take them to their car, you know, so they don't have to walk. And, and uh, maybe we could take them all out to dinner, Debbie. She says, would you please regain your sanity? I mean, uh, we can, and, uh, but I love the church. I love you, and, I, and I, I, just, I just care about you. You can't not do that if, you're, if you have a pastoral heart. And I failed at it before. Don't get me wrong, but that's how I feel. And um, I have no idea why I went into that whole thing, but I, do, <laughs> but I do love you. But this is what we get. This is what we get. And it's a vital part of that, this whole thing. We get the, the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I've got about five or six, seven minutes to go, and I don't know how I'm going to say it in five or six, seven minutes, but I, here it is. This is the result. If you do all this right... I guarantee, oh, I know, I face problems I don't know what to do with. And, but I found, this is where I'm so excited about this this morning, this, in fact, can I ask you to repeat after me? This, this actually, actually works. works. It works. All right. It, well, I said it once. Don't say it again. And you people are, no. Um, the peace of God that passes all understanding, what? Works. And it says here in the verse, which transcends all I saying, will. God's saying, I promise you, this, this will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is not just a psychological state of mind, something from the neck up, okay? But an inner, supernatural, God-given, tranquil, peaceful, calm for those who are true followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't care how complex and threatening the issue is. I don't care. That doesn't matter. Okay? It's that inner tranquility that comes when the believer commits their cares to God and it transcends all understanding. You can't explain it. It transcends what the mind can describe. It's only for the Christian because Christians have the Holy Spirit within them producing it, but it transcends all understanding, all human comprehension. We're unable to express it fully in human words. It's a real, present, divine peace that comes to us. And don't try to treat God like a vending machine. Sometimes it's right away. I found that I pray that, and I, do, I follow these instructions, and... I get a peace in my heart that's beyond understanding. Sometimes it's not. It takes a little while, and God comes up and taps you on the back of the shoulder and surprises you with it, but he always provides it. He just doesn't want us to use it as a formula, right? And try to, right? And try to control God. This is not something you can can or bottle and sell it at, at Costco, you know. The Holy Spirit moves the way he wants to move. But he'll, he'll fulfill this promise. And this is, I'm not talking about, it's, it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not something that money or medicine or a self-help book or self-help te techniques or substances or pleasure can provide. They can't provide this. 
And I, my, the phrase that I want you to take home with you, to, want to, you to take home with you, is the it's the inner rest of spirit that you're craving for in your anxious and worried circumstances. The inner rest of spirit in fellowship with God. And guess what? It's ours as often as we need it and want it. This is not a one-time thing. Okay. And then it says that it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard is a military term for a sentry that's guarding something, okay? God's Holy Spirit will guard our hearts and our minds and keep us for as long a period as we need, keep anything from coming in to take away that, that, uh, that peace. Now, I, it's something I can't fully explain. It's God's supernatural inner peace standing as a sentry over our hearts, our spirits, defending it from e- external assaults of worry and anxiety. And I just, let me just share with you one quote, one story, and then I'm done, okay? Charles Stanley, one of my all-time faves, he puts it this way, and this is true, because I've just experienced this recently, and I couldn't get it out. He's got, he's got it out as good as I think anybody has got it out. He says, as we fellowship with God and take time to lay down all our burdens to him in every detail, we begin to understand once again the salvation and justification that Christ's work on the cross has accomplished for us. And all that subsequently goes with that. And the result is the total well-being and inner rest of spirit that comes from knowing that he loves us and will supply our needs. Right on the money. Bullseye. That's what happens when you go to God and give him everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving and you present your request to God. That's what happens when you genuinely do that. It's all of what Jesus is and who he is and what he did and all that great stuff happening inside of us. How's that for a theological explanation, huh? Um, Well, just to conclude and tell a little story, think about the ways that we try to get rid of our worries and anxiety. We fret and we fuss, we stew, we simmer, we try to ignore it or cover it or erase it or run away from it. We contemplate about it, we calculate how we can deal with it, we analyze it, we exercise Finally, we paralyze. But none of these human activities deals with our anxiety or worries and gives us this beyond human understanding peace that we all so desperately crave. But this is a promise of God. He can't lie. We just have to do our part. He'll give us that inner tranquility and inner peace and rest of spirit beyond human comprehension. I've tested it. It's true, and I'll tell you a story. I got to remain as generic as possible. Hopefully nobody from this church is listening right now or will listen. But there was, in the churches that we've gone to through the last seven, eight, nine years, whatever it's been, we have made many friends. And we've grown to love those churches, and they've grown to love us. Now, we'll never love them as much as we love Cedar Home. They're just not as lovable, you know? But <laughs> amen, I hear. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the loudest amen of this morning. But there is, and you know, people have accepted us, haven't they? And, and they love us. And we love them. Except for one. One person that When we went to church on Sunday, and I knew I'd have to encounter this person under certain particular circumstances each Sunday, my chest would start to tighten up, and my, my stomach felt like yeah, knots. That's a good word, knots in my stomach. Uh, and you know how you can have compliments from like five million people, and you get one critic, critical person, one uh, criticism, and you lose? all those million. But this, I tried every trick 
everything in my bag of tricks to love this person. Every possible thing I could do to, and, and it was all to no avail. And I was, I was more rudely treated by this person than anybody I've ever dealt with. And so I'd get this tightening in my chest and felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach. And, you know, I got to the point, I didn't even want to go to church. But, but there were so many loving people. And, and finally, the Lord led this verse across my mind. I said, God, I've got to do something. This is not good. It's not right. It's not necessary. So I began to digest and take apart this, these verse, this verse here. And it, it doesn't have to be a person. It can be any kind of circumstance. But so, so, so often it is a person. It can be one right in your own family or wherever, school, work, aunt, neighborhood. But, and slowly, this overwhelming sense of anxiety and worry, God's peace took over. And I went there with love and with freedom. Freedom from human opinion, freedom to love, even when you're unloved. And, and they, they just... They just didn't like me or love me. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? <laughs> they just didn't know me well enough, I figured, you know. Yeah. But, um, but, but the, the, this verse just, whew, it did the trick. And I'm, I'm asking that for you today. If you have worries and anxieties, lower level, mid-range, or overwhelming, go here and apply it to your life. And if you're not a believer, unfortunately, you can't have that because you don't have God living within you. But if you understand, like some of the songs that we sang this morning, Dylan picked for us, Jesus Christ took your sin, took the punishment for your sin on himself. He took God's wrath for your sin. And by praying to receive him, as Lord and Savior of your life, as the one who died for you on the cross, shed his blood for you. He'll come to live within you, and you can have that same resource as any other Christian on earth. If you haven't turned to Christ, I would ask you to think about this and turn to him for salvation. Let us pray. Dear Father, I thank you for answers, for go-to verses when the going gets rough. Thank you, Father, for, um, again, I, I repeat it, answers. Concrete, real, awesome answers for anxiety and worry and fear. Lord, as we go through these topics through the summer, help us to just remember them and, and enter into the fall jazzed, Lord, for serving you in new freedom, Lord. I just do pray for the, those that are struggling. We all probably are to some degree. Help us to take advantage of this wonderful peace that you've offered and glorify you in your days on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Have a great day.